We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 404 of the Winning Six Podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. A new era of books basketball has begun. If you're all clambering, scurrying to your audio device of choice to listen to Jordan and I talk about that. Well, tough luck. Uh, in all seriousness, we're not really, we're not going to talk about at our time recording, the first two games, the books applied under Doc Rivers losses to the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. Because it's two games. And they're out west on a road trip. I mean, any coach's first game being in Denver at altitude is kind of a tricky one. You have a circus around Dame. And I'm not in the, like, making excuses mode here. I'm not suggesting that game three is going to be much better. I think things could be bad for a while. I think it's going to be an adjustment period. And maybe expectations for what's to come or how we view the rest of the season as a success has to has to be something we all kind of come to terms with. But in the very early running, we're in, you know, quiet observational mode, right, Jordan? Are, 
our next kind of true full win and six we'll we'll dive in a little bit more detail we'll, we're gonna do a mailbag soon as well it's been a while so rest assured we'll have all sorts on that but i don't think there's a whole lot there just yet and ty and rowan are kind of on top of that too it'd be a bit like zapruder-esque right if we were all to kind of really zero in on the details from doc rivers tenure as a books head coach so far yeah, I would say we're like Lenny from The Simpsons, the classic gif of him with his like fingers up to his lips and he's just thinking like what he's clearly in an awards ceremony. Yeah, he's an award ceremony, gift, right. But we're just quietly observing. That is the the motto. And then next week is the deadline. So it's not really like whatever we say for the next <laughs> it could week just be irrelevant. Could be it out could. the window exactly. Exactly. So Things are fluid. We know that. I think Bucks fans should know that as well. And hopefully, we, you know, they soldier on. They soldier on. I'm excited to see how it evolves. And we'll talk about it as it evolves. I think is is really the best way to put it. <laughs> I thought you were about to be, we'll talk about it when necessary. <laughs> no, that's not that. I, I just, I... I don't think there's a whole lot like part of part of what we do here. We've two books pods in the one feed. We're both our own podcast, but we also try to complement that. And I don't know. There's just not enough meat on the bone yet. I don't think so. No. We had a plan, and those who listened last week. Wait, wait, wait. Do we want to? Do we want to talk about the new bench arrangement? I'm joking. I'm joking. Coaches you... are different. Coaches are in different spots now. So oh, really of course they are. And they just added a new one reportedly today. They added a new one who was on the Blazers bench last night. Yes. It's just like Ducks they, not, the not joke leaving of, places without taking coaches in them. <laughs> the joke of have or leave, well, because obviously the Bucks are on a road trip, so it doesn't necessarily apply, but like leave him on the from the team plane or something like that. The Bucks are actually doing that with the coach. So now they have like <laughs> this massive bench. <laughs> really need a bigger, picking up a extra bench. coaches is like the opposite of that time when the Hawks left Jeff T holding his his pizza box sideways. You know, mm-hmm. their books are just picking up extra passengers as they go, <laughs> and possibly more. As we said, trade deadline just a week away. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we are going to talk about in this episode. Don't worry, we are going to talk about a current a current Milwaukee Bucks player. Um, this was something we had planned to do last week, and then the Bucks rudely turned their own world upside down and made us change plans. But Chris Middleton <clears throat> has been kind of historically making a lot of noise, climbing Bucks, you know, franchise leader lists pretty frequently a bunch across a whole bunch of categories in the past few weeks this season in particularly um and it's just it's an interesting time to talk about chris it's always interesting to talk about chris i have said this many times before i'll say it again i i really don't know if i'll ever understand how like what feels like the most inoffensive player in the league like just the most like he kind of is what he is. He's there. It's all there right in front of you. How he became 
this lightning rod for debate and like factionism and all kinds of discussion among a, a wide swathe of books fans. I honestly think ever growing, it's like people no one just has a normal opinion on Chris anymore. <laughs> it's just <laughs> everyone is at real extremes, but I, I even think that kind of stretches somewhat beyond the books too and maybe could be framed as some extension to a player who as much as a multiple time all-star like he has been celebrated at times it's been tough for him when he's been playing his very best to get into those conversations he just sneaks in he probably his game has never been that glamorous he's never been an elite athlete but we're in a place we're already there i mean it was sealed when the Bucks sealed their second NBA championship in franchise history, where Chris Milton is an increasingly essential player in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks in a way mm-hmm. that I just don't think is quite landing with people right now, that 20, 30 years from now, your children, dear listener, your grandchildren, dear listener, could be looking up at you eyes wide saying, tell me about the great Chris Middleton. And given the way I think a lot of the chatter around Chris goes day to day, there's a real disconnect there that I think is is interesting. So I want to just kind of talk Chris. I want to talk some of what we're seeing from Chris at the moment. I think he's been playing pretty well of late. Um, border gone very well at times and not necessarily getting the credit for that, getting lumped in with some players who are certainly not playing well, maybe getting lost in the shuffle of a book team that just isn't playing well, and maybe also being measured up somewhat to past versions of himself as opposed to, you know, this very significant work back from injury season that the books have handled very gradually. I think he's in a good place, but in the wider context of books history, it's an even better place. Jordan, I want to start by throwing a big question at you oh this is gonna this is probably gonna upset you though i didn't prepare you for this question but i have every faith that you might just have your answer to this like sealed off the top of your head is chris middleton today right now is he on the books mount rushmore and feel free to tell us about who is your books mount rushmore I don't think he is. My, I, and this is a topic we, I think about a lot. Certainly I've talked about it a lot. Both. This is your like pod. ancient Rome, right? It is. It's like, if it's I like had a chisel. The idea that men, no, but you know, the do you think about <laughs> ancient Rome, that whole kind of thing or whatever that was? Oh, is that a TikTok thing? I, right? I think so. This is, this is why I don't even know. And I'm like, was it Rome? Could have been Greece. Who knows? You think about the Romans often, and Jordan thinks about his books, Mount Rushmore. Yes. All the time. Mount, Mount Bucksmore. Um, I would say my my Rushmore would be Giannis, Kareem, Oscar, and the and the fourth one always is really hard. Uh, is it? Yeah. Come on, you need to give me an answer then, because I'm like Marcus. No, I'm out on this. 
I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm out on this. All the way out of this. Um, things things may reading things may have swayed. That's me fine. That's fine. You you have turned in all kinds of directions. First and foremost, we we all everyone listening knows that there are two like unquestionable faces yes, unquestionable. onto this Bucks Matt Rushmore. To me, there was a turd. I thought we were playing for one spot here, and then you left my number three out of the equation entirely. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Undoubtedly. The the longevity is undeniable. The level he played at, the longevity, what he was doing on both sides of the ball, like Marcus is a higher ceiling player, but for a variety of reasons, the longevity wasn't there with the books, and it also didn't necessarily... He couldn't coinc- do it by himself either. It didn't coincide with winning, yes, which is, is tied to that. I I still think Sid's case is it's also it's an interesting one because I think five, six, well, we can stretch it to ten years ago. Maybe that's too far. If if when we started this podcast, if I asked you that question, you wouldn't be as informed as you are on the various options now. But I also think Sid would be much fresher in your mind as having been a regular voice on books broadcasts holy moly (laughs) in the way that marcus is now and i think it's also like it's interesting how that can kind of sway things over time um i like i even in a wider nba context i'd have a marcus was like the more talented player but i have a tough time making a case for him being a better player better i don't know this may there might be some personal preference in here. No, there might be some things that you know we would touch on on a later date. We will, we, we will. Okay, don't be teasing <laughs> that. Like, this is a tease that is like this is a project beyond the project. Um, okay, so Sydney Mokrief is my third. Chris is my fourth. I I can't. I honestly cannot make the case for Oscar Robertson. To be on ahead of Chris, if you wanna, if you wanna go Sid Marcus, I think that's still in a place where I'll hear a case. But Chris won a championship, hit big shots to win a championship. That's the part that Oscar has a role in a championship, but then Chris has the Sydney Moncrief level longevity. The entire I, resume, and this is kind of what sparked when I said to you a couple of weeks ago. I think we should do a pod on Chris's legacy. He's coming for these records. I was thinking of this, and it's like. I, I think it's really I think it's impossible except you proved me wrong um, I think it's insane except we all know you're a man who is very much sane to <laughs> to imagine a books Mount Rushmore at this point without Chris Middleton on it I think he's just kind of both in terms of the height of his achievements but also in terms of his longevity his contributions to winning his place within a greater era of books basketball I I really think he's kind of undeniable and he's reached that point kind of quietly. Like we've all seen it happening, but part of it is the focus is always on Giannis. So it's very rare that the moment gets to be about like, where does Chris sit all time? But he has built one hell of a book's legacy for himself. Like one of the absolute, again, I just, I, he's probably, is he actually? T- would he? Should he be turd? Should he be turd on the Mount Rushmore? Should he be ahead of Moncrief? 
I don't know. If he sees out the rest of his career, the majority of what remains of his career with the books, he probably gets to a place where that is undeniable. But I already think, to me, he's on the four. It's not about, like, was the best version of Chris Middleton better than Oscar Robertson? I also think part of the flaw with that would be is the Oscar Robertson he played for the books was very far from the best version of Oscar Robertson. Like, the Chris and the peak of his abilities and honestly the level he's played at for the majority of his time with the books different players looking to do different things but much closer to a prime version of himself there's no doubt oscar in his prime blows middleton away blows you know all but probably 15 players in nba history away um but that's not what the books have the number might be lower <laughs> maybe yeah Maybe I, I'm look. I'm not trying to start another side argument. Sorry, I was sorry, trying sorry. to. I was trying to leave room so that everyone listening could put in like the kind of people, some of the figures who I would certainly not have it better than Oscar Robertson, but we don't. We can have a like. I don't know. When's the next anniversary? When's their next thing they're gonna do? <laughs> NBA eighty is that like what? NBA three eighty years or, away now? or um, hundredth would be two thousand forty-six. Consider they. That's how they calculate the their 100 years I'm guessing yeah do you think we'll still be doing the pod for NBA 100 or we do a comeback you know we'll take like 20 years off and just come back and be like <laughs> NBA 100 let's we'll break it 50s. down Jesus okay let's just move past that sorry um, if Chris is not on your four Is he is he five? Is he six? Because Moncrief was on your four as well. Like, uh, dude, am I the crazy one here in saying this? Do you? No, think... I don't think you're. The, I don't think that's far off. But because from a total resume standpoint, it's it's Giannis. It's even six years of Kareem. He packed in like three years worth of stats to every season they played. <laughs> it was just that dominant. Um, but then it's like, then it gets into Chris. I mean, Chris is what? He just passed. We were talking about we'll, this before. We'll, we'll right. get to We'll We'll break right. all that down. No, it's okay. Just, it's, it's Chris. It's, it's Sid. And then I don't, there's not another person that has played as much as Chris, really. I mean, the that... record books are likely going to end up. The vast majority of major books records from Chris Milton's time at the book finish are likely going to end reading Giannis one, Chris two, and then the list will start of everyone else. Yeah, like that's that's very close to the point we're getting in a lot of those categories already. Um, but with what is still likely to be more time. Like, whether that ends up being a year, two, three, four years, like a whole bunch of factors could go into how much time Chris has left with the books. It's very likely that you can look across a lot of key categories, though, and he will be, quite fittingly, the number two to Giannis' number one. Absolutely. It's maybe part of this, then we have to talk about like 
what do, so what does longevity count for? To me, it counts for a lot when you're someone who is very much at the high level of contributing on a team that is winning a lot of games. Like until very recently, I think a lot of books fans will know this. It probably hear, heard more about it when Giannis overtook his record. But Junior Bridgman was a long time all-time leader in games played for the Milwaukee Bucks. Junior Bridgman was a great player, but also kind of like a, I don't, an unusual player to, not... to be in that role. Like he was not one of the franchise's great superstars. No. He wasn't even really one of the franchise's stars. He was kind of like right on the fringes of that. He was kind of probably a level below Chris Middleton, but on a team stacked with players that didn't have a way kind of above and beyond superstar in a Giannis level. So that the contrib- the contributions of everyone had to kind of meet a certain level, you know, to to push the whole thing down the road. Like Bridgman was a great player, but I think if we were to look around most franchises around the, the league, it's like, I, I'm almost certain I'd be very surprised. Like the Spurs, for example, I'm guessing Tim Duncan is all time games played later. If it's not him, could it be Robinson? I would think, um, it's one of those two, right? I would think, Dunk would have more games on him. Yeah, I would have thought so. Tim Duncan, then Tony, Parker, then Manu. Wow, okay. I didn't realize all three of them would have got top points. Is Robinson four? Yes. That is, like, take the Spurs then as a snapshot. That feels very representative, right? It's like, the top three are your three stars of one of your great dynasties. Your fourth is the star who preceded them, who overlapped with them for a period of time. Like Bulls, you can Bulls is Michael Jordan first, second, Scotty Pippen. Third, right. Kirk Heinrich. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Kind of remarkable. Like, okay, so games played is something that it does generally come to someone is just so good that they are tied to a team. You can't, you can't part with them, which in some ways honestly made it all the more impressive that junior Bridgman had 711 games for the books and held that record for so long, because as vital as he was to that books team, he was not the number one guy throughout pretty much his entire time. Winters would have been number one post trades. I was gonna say winners is probably number one, but it's it's the initial post Kareem trade of they have pieces, but they don't have like a lead guy, and then Marcus comes along and catapults to superstardom. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So in Chris reaching this level, because Chris is not Giannis, who will be number one most likely, like forever in a day, number one. But he's also not Junior Bridgman. In some ways, he might actually be kind of the midpoint between those kind of players. Maybe he's leaning slightly closer to Bridgman than to Giannis. But when you look at Chris's story, and you look at him being, you know, famously a throw-in, an afterthought in the trade that brought him to Milwaukee. To get to this point in its own right is like it's a big deal, but it's not you're not having to kind of give him a condescending, oh, look at you, you defied the odds you got here. It's his overall production does kind of mesh with that level where it's it's not just longevity. He's managed to marry longevity and excellence together. I will, Jordan. So we can kind of break through it. Let's let's go through some of the key categories and where Chris ranks and I mean where he's gonna be moving on up very soon. So he, as many people may have seen on the broadcast lately, three four games ago, um three games ago, he drew level with Sidney Moncrief. He has overtaken him. He is third all time in games played for the Milwaukee Books. These are all regular season. Don't Honestly, Chris's case is probably bolstered. I was gonna say we got we have the playoff bona fides. But don't don't you know don't come at me about this. This is the weird way that all NBA records work, and it is deeply flawed. Deeply flawed. (laughs) The fact that they're not just automatically combined seems off. Particularly when you're talking franchise. I understand to compare team to team across history in the league, well different circumstances can preclude someone from a playoffs one year and you're trying to but within the history of a franchise there probably should be a level playing field but Chris now third all time in games played he's just 13 games behind Junior Bridgman so he is going to overtake Bridgman very very soon trail only Giannis 
in terms of most games played as a Milwaukee book. He is already having just overtaken Bob Dandridge against the Blazers. He has played 22,101 regular season minutes for the books. Second all time behind only Giannis. That one is honestly pretty incredible considering Chris has missed a lot of time, has had a couple of major injuries. That is a testament <laughs> to uh, just how hard he was worked, particularly in the kid era, uh, when Chris <laughs> was like guaranteed for 40 to 42 minutes a night. So that is all added up. He has a lot of miles on the clock as a book. Again, not a player drafted by the books either. To come in, even though the trade is already in your career, games played, minutes played, to reach that kind of level, not nothing. Uh, he is six all-time and made field goals. Marcus Johnson, next on his radar. Honestly, Marcus Glenn Robinson could both be overtaken this year. He could move up to kind of top four territory in, in that category. He's top five in field goal attempts. He is, of course, number one in all-time made three-pointers, 1,324, putting him comfortably 273 trees clear of second place Ray Allen. He has made 3,400, or sorry, he's attempted 3,407 triples as a book, number one all-time. Um, he is six all-time in free throws made. Probably going to get up to top five by the end of this season. Um, he is ninth all-time in total rebounds. 500-ish, under 500 rebounds to get up as high as fourth. It feels very reasonable that Chris, what, middle next season end the next season like even if we're giving him an allowance for injuries or a whole bunch of other things is probably going to be top five total rebounds he's already top five he's third in total assists as a book um 469 behind paul pressy in second place Giannis is of course in first he is Again, top five in steals, 838 steals, just 36 behind Sidney Moncrief. Like, that's a big deal. Um, Quinn Buckner was the freak of nature. That might actually be one of the most impressive records, and you consider the length of his tenure. Uh, he was the man of steel, right? I am remembering correctly that that was... Uh, that was Eric Murdoch. Damn, it was that Eric was... Murdoch. Yes. Um, whose tenure was much, much shorter again. But Quinn Buckner at 1042? Six seasons. Wild. Yeah. That is a lot of steals. He averaged 2.3 steals per game. Is that now? I mean, Giannis yeah, is probably having... still going to get there. But 163 steals is going to take a bit of time still. Like, is is that the most out-of-reach books record at present? Three. <laughs> He's not even playing, like, starter-level no. minutes. His highest minutes per game was 30.8 in the 1981-82 season. Per 36 minutes, he averaged 3.1 steals. What the fuck? That's wild. Really cool. Wild. That might be, I don't know, that might be a tough stat to break. I, Gian, Giannis is going to get there. 163 steals for Giannis. He's... Mm. 
I don't know why I just turned it to Miss Piggy. That but, was uh... that was an interesting sound to make. <laughs> like, what's what's Giannis's total say last season? Um, it well, last year was yeah. a down year. Uh, it's probably two and a half to three seasons away. Yeah, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Chris is not going to feature, I don't believe, in blocks, although maybe I should look up how many blocks he has. He's probably not far off top 10, um, although it's not a part of his game that I've honestly ever really given too much attention to. <laughs> Chris has a total of... No, he's a long way off top 10, Jordan. He has a total of 137 blocks as a book. That is not going to cut it. 439, Marcus Johnson. That's higher yeah. than I thought it would have been. Really? 137? That's honestly... It's impressively low. For a guy <laughs> with long arms who, like, pretty much younger, contested, like, jumpers even very well, you'd, you'd think you'd have had, like, just that many, like, tip blocks. Um, points. Let's get to the real hefty stuff. 12,085 points. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record was the one that people could not imagine falling for quite some time. Uh, Giannis has obviously blown it away. He is three and a half thousand points beyond Kareem's long-standing record. Chris is one thousand and twenty-six, one thousand one hundred twenty-six, one thousand one hundred twenty-six. I'm doing this live, Jordan. Running the numbers. Uh, one thousand one hundred twenty-six points off Kareem for second all time. It's unless he's like traded next week or in the offseason he's going to overtake Kareem for total points as a book mm -hmm. do I need to get going here I feel like the picture should be pretty clear I mean in this we're getting into <laughs> like percentages of stuff or win shares and like Chris is absolutely now one of the titans I have a concern, and I'm not just applying this to people who just, like, have disdain for watching Chris Middleton with the books. I'm applying this to myself, that he is being taken for granted, or it's being taken for granted what it actually is to watch a player like Chris Middleton, in part because we're lucky enough to be watching a player like Giannis on the floor at the same time. But this, to me, really feels like a true, like... Grass is always greener on the other side. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Chris's record and his consistency and his contributions to the books are in a level that very few players have ever touched. I would agree with that. Why do you think it is that? Is it as simple as just Giannis is also out there? Or... I. That that's that still doesn't feel like it's too easy enough. Though. But I I guess the thing that's unusual, like let's if we we're to make another comparison, this isn't perfect because this player certainly had a bigger profile as a better overall player. But I think like if you're to imagine like let's say if we look at the Heat and you look at say Wade's place in the Heat, where Wade is the greatest Heat player of all time, but he kind of gets the respect because as much as he was like. He was the sidekick to Shaq. He was the sidekick 
to LeBron. LeBron. But he also did have these spells where he was the guy and he was the ever-present throughout. So the emotional attachment in a more bulletproof way kind of went to him in a way where we've talked to it so often. And and again, we're kind of guilty. A lot of the time, I feel like we've had the conversations in the context of Giannis's story. We talk about Chris and we talk about them going against each other in practice and how that helped to shape Giannis, you know, where part of that too is Chris has always had that and he did have that spell which was very brief, where he hit the next level. And within three months, Giannis kind of started to become Giannis. Yeah. And that was that. Is that the reason? Or why why might it be that in spite of everything he's done, I don't want to make it seem like uh, Chris is completely overlooked. He's not. People generally love him as a key player for this team for many years as one of the driving forces in winning a championship. It still doesn't feel like enough, though. Considering the reverence that is there for a lot of the other guys we've talked about, like your your Sidney Moncrief, your Bob Dandridge's, like these kind of figures and where they have been involved, and I say that as like someone who is openly being critical of how the books have honored and celebrated players but at the very kind of top tier yeah they've been happy to have those guys back and they're the names that everyone knows and loves kind of i don't know unreservedly like it does all this become as simple as that the day chris milton is gone or the day he retires any of his shortcomings or anything that even some sections of the fan base perceive as shortcomings kind of go away and everyone then is just like oh yeah look at the great things he did like it's it's hard to get a read on that in the moment, but it it does just strike me. We're watching a player who is going to be deserving of that level of like long time respect, adulation, and a place just within like I don't know the Bucks family as someone who you'd hope that will regularly come and be courtside at Bucks games into his sixties, his seventies, his eighties, whatever. But in the moment, game to game. I'm looking for anyone to give him a pass when he's a bad game, but it's just, I don't know. It strikes me as something it's... that it just doesn't feel like it necessarily is there for everyone or it lands. I'm also aware a lot of people just don't care about this stuff. Like, it's just the Bucks need to win now. Hey, Giannis is on the yeah. roster. They need to win now. I don't care about what it looks like after the fact. If I was a betting man. Like the books, this era of books basketball could still be a one championship era. No, oh, yeah, it's more likely to be than not. I think very much so. And I think honestly, the events of the last eight months have made that increasingly more likely. If that's the case, yeah. the company that Chris keeps all time gets to be fewer and fewer. I think you're hitting on an interesting point and why it's very instructive to have these conversations because we can think of... It's not even just about Chris. It's about even just thinking back to the championship run and just how crazy it was. And it's one thing to kind of... like it's Does your feelings about something 
or this crazy run that the Bucks had for their championship or watching a player literally play his entire career outside of, you know, one season with the Pistons and really it was under like 300 minutes with the Pistons. Um, does it match up to what how you felt in the moment? And then over time, does that, you know, you, like you said, does that just wash away? Do, do the things like, ah, he wasn't as good as this or whatever. Because that's the thing about, like, in the case of, like, Sidney Moncrief, for example. Sidney played on teams that, you know, famously the Bucks never went to an NBA Finals. But read anything from Sports Illustrated or articles written of the time and everybody recognizes Sidney Moncrief as one of the most complete players of his era. And therefore, that what was mentioned about him, what was said about him, that's that's the legacy. That's what gets him in the Hall of Fame 35 years or however long it was, 30 years after the fact that he retired. You know I mean? Like, that reputation carries on for a very long time. Chris is obviously not, I wouldn't say the, at the peak of his powers, he's not Sidney Moncrief. At the same time, we have a playoff run where we could say this guy, especially when Giannis went out, he carried the team to an NBA Finals appearance. His run and what he's done in the playoffs, more so consistently now than, you know, than not, it's it's up there with Giannis delivering a 50 you know, point performance in the closeout game, in the NBA Finals closeout game. Like, there are those hallmarks, those touch points that you could say with Chris that obviously will have, like, the snapshot of the second title in the history of the franchise. But, like, he's – it's it's just a very peculiar way of looking at the at things because the way that like traditionally you could talk about like well was he a, a a you know top x player in his generation no one would ever say that about chris milton but i would also say like where the league is right now and where the the time that he happens to be playing we could we would also say that there's never been more talent in this league there are guys on bad teams that you know once the season over you'll be pining to have them traded to your team, like a Damian Lillard. You know what I mean? Like, so that's where for the entire kind of league-wide reputation of where Chris is, it's a really tricky subject because the Bucks did the hardest part of, of finding a superstar by drafting Giannis and then him taking off in the manner that he did. No one saw that coming, but when you get that done and then you have, you know, the guy that's forever going to be associated with him and how he lifted his own game along with Giannis's game for 10 years running now, it's, that's where it's really hard to parse out how it's very easy to get lost in what Giannis does. Chris does it a very, methodical low maintenance way and that's just how he is carries himself too because he's not he's probably the most the lowest maintenance NBA player we've ever seen really um 
I don't know. That's that's where I just kind of it trying to think of all the factors and everything associated with just where Chris is in his NBA career, much less just his Bucks journey, is a very interesting kind of subject, I would say. Well, Giannis has it easier being Giannis, right? Because the team is always going to bend to his will. So yes. we're, we're seeing it right now. Honestly, that is the case because he is such a superhuman talent, possibly to a fault where it's like, well, how does Damian Lillard get to be Damian Lillard here? Part of that is tied up in, yeah, well, Giannis is Giannis, though. <laughs> Got to make room for that. Like the flip side of it is Chris has had to change and adapt constantly throughout his time as a book. He had to change when Giannis took the big step. It was possible that the Bucs are in a very different team. And don't get me wrong, they're in a team in a much lower ceiling if Chris was their best player. But the version of a player that Chris was really progressing quite nicely into becoming and showing the potential to be, that had turned its head once Giannis became like Giannis. Okay, the team has got to be centered and built around him. And then for Chris and for the Bucs to win, it becomes more important for him to be a complementary piece. Then time goes on and you get an Eric Bledsoe added into the mix. Ball handling duties change to some extent. You've got someone else who, again, for all of his flaws, is capable, could do a lot. Chris's role shifts. Drew Holiday comes in. Chris's role shifts again. Now here we are with Dame. Chris's role arguably shifts even more. So that in its own right is kind of interesting. I also, I like you bringing Hall of Fame up because... Again, this is kind of like where I've been trying to work this out and wrestle with it and just be like, are we celebrating? Are we appreciating Chris Middleton enough? Night to night, game to game. Is there a level of just like goodwill that's not just built up, but it's on display in a way that it should be, in a way that people won't regret when, honestly, this team is terrible for 10 years when all of this particular ride is over, when you're watching players who really won't be fit to like lace up Chris Middleton's boots. Yeah. I I think the thing that you and I have always been particularly consistent on, and it comes up with players we're talking about here. It was a big thing with Sidney Moncrief, and it's now still a big thing for us with Marcus Johnson. Um, It's been in Marcus's case. It was with his Jersey retirement for a long time, but it's also seemed get in the hall. Part of this is the idea of like let these let's celebrate these people while they're here, while they have a chance to enjoy it and appreciate it, while the fans have a chance to let them know how they feel. Dave, a chance that the fans know how they feel. This is kind of an extension of that. So Chris is here. He's here in the now. He's playing for this team. He's one of the best players to ever be a Milwaukee book, and his accomplishments back that up and one day he's just going to be gone and is it then that that feeling will come around or like there's a very real possibility if Chris doesn't finish his career as a book that he's going to be traded at some point in borderline you know unceremonious fashion something that's really going to sting him hurt his feelings possibly mean that we have this period of time where it's like there's a cooling off phase we've seen it with many former books before but not one as integral to 
the book success as a franchise as Middleton has been. We saw with Drew when he got traded. And this is not a shot on Drew because three years, you know. I, can I just, this is, I don't think we've ever talked about this on a podcast. I am so embarrassed to be a Bucks fan and to talk about this team. Every time I see people shit all over Drew Holiday and what he did as a book on Twitter, which I, it's my own fault. I'm guilty. Why am I paying attention to any of this? But everything around that Celtics game, everything about he, people have gone to talking about Drew is embarrassing. I just think you get, it's like so unhealthy. You're not, you're not smelling the roses. <laughs> you're not appreciating no, you're the reason <laughs> to watch this sport and to care about it in the first place. This guy helps you win a championship. Some of the, like the plays that will not be topped, no matter what this book's like future looks like. Two of the five most iconic plays in franchise history. Like you can, we we did all this. We talked through plays from that run that are just kind of unparalleled. But the number one play in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks and the play that I really do not believe will be surpassed anytime soon has the signature moment of Drew Holiday's career as a book. I think it will be the signature moment of his entire basketball career. And we can't also just pretend like it was a once-off thing and like we hadn't seen him do it all the time. And he's gone, and he's gone to a team that, yeah, is a big rival, and most of us hate. But he's like, he's not a, he's not the punchline who couldn't shoot in the playoffs. He's also the guy who was one of the best defenders in all of basketball. Who did that work out last year? No, no. I'll tell you when it did work out. Though it worked out when they won an NBA championship, and again, it just kind of. We're doing this a week before a trade deadline. I don't think Chris Middleton's going to be traded next week. But let's imagine that happens. Like, part of that is just, how do we process all of this? And will people just be like, oh, he's washed, you know? It's like, this is a player who has given too much to Milwaukee Bucks basketball and to its continued survival in the same way we talk about with Giannis and having this team be good enough that, you know, a new arena was built and then that arena was filled out you know, and that we got to this place. There will be a lot of people listening, a lot of people who go to games multiple times a season, maybe every single home game, who are young enough that this is what they know. They know this version of the books. And next to Giannis, there is no one who is a bigger contributor to that than Chris Middleton. And I just the idea of, I don't know, something acrimonious or him leaving on terms that are not anything but glowing. You know, trades happen. They happen to all sorts of players. You've seen all sorts of legendary players of a much higher level than Chris end up their career in weird spots. You know, you mentioned Michael Jordan. Yeah, Patrick Ewing is one that, like, always stands out in a weird way of kind of like... Hakeem. Uh, Hakeem. Just... Literally, I think, I think the only two that I can think of that you could say, oh, it ended valiantly is Tim Duncan. I guess I shouldn't say two. But the, the of of recent memory of Tim Duncan, Dirk, Kobe. Well, Kobe, we knew how those Lakers teams ended. Like he didn't play for playoffs or the kind of things that were associated with his time in Los Angeles. Dirk, same thing. Mavericks 
hadn't won a playoff series since the title by the time that Dirk retired. Tim Duncan could say, oh, yeah, we... Duncan did it best. They Duncan did, Duncan it did the best. If I remember correctly, that's first he was first in the. No, they were not because they State. lost in seven games, right? To the, I remember watching his final no, moments live. They got, was that it to was the six, Thunder? It was, it was a six. six game six. Yeah. But that was like a great series. He played really well. And in those final few minutes, if my memory serves me right, like he was the go to. He was hitting signature Tim Duncan shots. It was a blowout, then, I think. Well, I'm remembering that completely wrong then. But the game finished and Tim Duncan's just like off down the tunnel. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's it done. But he that's left Timmy. it. Away. <laughs> but like uh, for all the ways where that's just his personality and whatever. And also it's just like pretty typical of that era of Spurs basketball to do it that way. In some ways, that is like that is the beautiful goodbye. I mean, there are maybe two ways you can do that. You can do what Kobe did and you have like a tour of a full year where everyone has their opportunity to go and watch Kobe play as a Laker if they want to. And, you know, fans around the country come see Kobe in his final stop in your city kind of thing. Or you do it as Duncan did either way. Like there's no, there's no even wrinkle to legacies. It's just like, it's finished. I know this will immediately get under people's skin because we're having a Chris Middleton conversation and we're talking about Kobe and Tim Duncan. That's not that's not the intent. We're not making like for like comparisons. It's just how do you shape a legacy and how does it end? I also think Middleton is interesting because I think like the league changed obviously in his time. And I, I think he kind of fits a mold of a player that in the 80s he would be asked to do very different things. So players who, I mean, were elite, elite NBA scorers that I might feel like that's not really the right comparison for Chris. I kind of think it is. I think if Chris was in the eighties, he could have been closer to like, I don't know. He he would have been on a kind of, if we want to have a curve or a spectrum where you've got the likes of like your Alex Englishes, your Adrian Dantley's, these kind of scores, I think with his his style of game, his skill set, and also how the NBA game was at that time, he's closer to that. Where I think ultimately part of his like one of the real positives of his legacy with the books is one maximizing his ability, improving colossally from the player he was when he arrived, but also then just fully like understanding his role and buying in and doing what he could multiple times to adjust to that. You know, it's, it's like, there's a different version of Chris Milton. Honestly, the books might have seen the different version of Chris Milton. It's, it's Michael red, right. Who's on a bad team. Not a whole lot else going on around it is the number one option can take a lot more shots gets away with a lot more because people care less and it's just a hero because you know <laughs> if you're not giving us if you're not giving us these wins if you're not dragging us to this place no one else on this team is like being not the guy who is the brightest star for everyone to adore in a mediocre to bad team but being the second best the third best player 
on a team with real expectations. Like, because that's where you're set up to be the fall guy too, which is part of how I guess that happens with Drew. That's part of how I guess people talk like Chris, like they do at times. It's because, well, Giannis is immune. So if things aren't going well, that's going to start to trickle downhill and it's going to get to someone like Chris first. You're being paid all that money. You're not Giannis and we're not winning. And it's kind of its own, I don't know, grim, disappointing, but inevitable dynamic in its own right. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you want to? So I'm looking at Chris's basketball reference page right now, and okay. the similarity scores. Oh, do you want to hear this? I'm using career, which is a key. It's another tab, so it kind of illustrates more. But there's a, a hodgepodge of names that are very interesting. Some are more relevant. In there's two names I'm seeing right now that you'd be like, yeah. That makes more sense than others. Um, I'm just going to go through the full range of names. Um, Rodney McRae, Cassie Russell, Jack Coleman, Tobias Harris. Well, that's disrespectful. Greg Ballard, Truck Robinson, Wally Zerbiak. That one's good. Mike Mitchell. Troy Murphy. And Danny Granger. I think Danny Granger, like, Danny Granger. Gra- that's who Chris is if he's on another team. Like, that's Michael Red-esque in its own right, but exactly. with a slightly different skill set. And probably... Danny Granger is probably a great example of a kind of player that people have like forgotten about now. Yes. Um, because he wasn't even like he wasn't Joe Johnson, he didn't get the Joe Johnson all star appearances. You in a lot of ways, I think, like if you take and I watched a lot of those Hawks teams, if you take those largely ridiculous all star appearances out of it, 
for Joe Johnson. Or more accurately, if you shared them around with some other Hawks, which is what should have been happening at the time. Chris and Joe Johnson have a lot in common, too. It's just it's a different kind of situation. I think the Denny Granger, like, that's interesting. I think Wally Serbiak is kind of interesting, too. I don't get that one. (laughs) You don't get it? No, not really. Well, let me see. I I would have said that feels like arc numbers wise. Yeah, I'm like I'm looking now at his numbers season to season across his career, and if you were to just tell me, oh, like that was Chris. Obviously, it starts from a slightly higher point, but trajectory wise, kind of mid to high teens per game scorer, getting up to kind of heights around the twenties and then dipping down in the way that he is. Like I, I can see some of that. Um, and also a guy well-rounded, but not as well-rounded as Chris. Like, not the same volume of rebounds and assists, which is kind of the tough part here. And again, what I think gets overlooked in Chris Middleton's case as, you know, one of the greatest books, the fact that he's just under 4.9 rebounds per game for his career with the books, four assists. That is really elite company for someone who is uh, over 17 points per game, shooting three-pointers at pretty close to 40% for his career, with still very good overall shooting numbers, great free throw shooter, someone who, obviously his defense has massively declined with age and injury. He wasn't an elite athlete to begin with. He had to rely on his length. That's still there, can work from at times, but... It's not like he has any kind of first step to to keep up with a lot of the players he goes up against. But someone who was a very good defender in his earlier years, in his younger years, it's honestly how he stuck in the NBA. I'm going to assume it's really what appealed to the books when they asked for him in a trade. Yep. I think that is, again, maybe the other part of the picture here, where even when we're talking those other, like, absolute towering great books figures there's a well-roundedness that chris has that matches quite a few of them while scoring at a similar to better level in some of those cases i'm doing it for longer and even now even this season he is doing a lot a lot of like he gets absolutely slated for turnovers i feel like it's like a world ending event when chris middleton turns the ball over he's got a better than two to one assist to turnover ratio i'm pretty sure still um for someone at his position at his size and with his skill set and now on a team that doesn't just have Giannis but also has dame like he averages five assists per game this is a really skilled, willing passer, a smart passer. He gets his assists in a way that's not typical of other players in the league. A lot of that is born out of his great understanding with Giannis and the pick and roll and you know, spotting alley-oop opportunities and <laughs> trying touchdown passes from full court, whatever it might be. I I just I think the full picture, even at this age, and when he's having a season where I think he's having a really strong season and it's just like the per game numbers are down in part because his minutes are down overall because he's how much he's been staggered. He's not getting the credit for 
you know, if free throws were better, being not out of like not completely out of range of like 50, 40, 90 territory and 15 points, five assists, 4.3 rebounds. Like there could still be a season, even in the later stages of Chris's career here, where he could threaten something like 50, 40, 90, 15, 5, and 5. Yeah. I don't know if people appreciate how insanely rare and difficult that is to do all of those things because it's easy to just be like, there's a bunch of guys who can go and get you 15 points in the NBA and who could do it efficiently or could do this, but they to get someone who could do all of those things, that is not common. It really is not. No. <laughs> that's Chris Milton. I don't, I, that's where it's, he's a very fascinating player because now we have longevity to add to the discussion even with injuries like the last two years have been hellish for him in terms of the things that he had to go through off the court the things that he's only really the last probably month and a half that we would say like it feels like he's fully behind all of the nagging injuries or things that had slowed him down post championship it's not making him worse for wear for the, you know, there's no minutes limit to what he's doing. Of course, if it's a back-to-back, he's probably not going to play on the second night of it. But Chris, this is as close to it's been for Chris to be a full go for a very long time. And now his abilities are matching up to what he usually has been able to do. And I think and the, the thing about like last year, like, we know how last year ended. We don't need a reminder of how it did. But even then, like when you're when I think about that heat series and thinking about yeah, did Chris have problems um getting the ball across midcourt? You know, clearly his handle was not as strong as it is now, and his mobility was still very lacking. He was not the only person to, you know to not play their best ball and his is more physically hampering rather than what was going on with Giannis, what was going on with Drew, what was going on, you know, up and down the roster. But you still look at what he was doing in that series. And it's like, Chris Milton was still giving them a chance to, to try to win games. Like, I think that's where the playoff element of what Chris has done routinely now even when the the Bucks were still in the phase of we haven't won a playoff series in going on in two decades, and when they finally broke that through in Bud's first year, it coincided with Chris's honestly probably the worst performance he's had in the playoffs like ever, because expectations are growing high. We all felt that was the team to kind of they weren't just gonna they were gonna do what the Warriors did a couple years ago and and go from this kind of simmering we know that they have good pieces in place to this giant of a team that steamrolls through the east and goes to the finals it obviously did not work out that way but the things that they have accrued since then and the lessons learned and just gaining that experience ever since then like really chris has been as much if not more than what you need in a playoffs setting and i think that for me is 
it's the it's the obvious differentiator or x factor or whatever when you just think about the whole picture and for me like when i think of the bucks title run we think about how it ended we think about how Giannis played in that closeout game but to me like we know all the close calls and the things that they <laughs> how many how many different scenarios could have changed the outcome of a series outcome of games could have out changed the outcome of the bucks making it to the finals at all but chris is there that atlanta series is really it's about chris and these massive outbursts they scoring outbursts that you would have in quarters or like these you know the things that we would say about chris well he can't take over a game and in this kind of you know stretch he did it multiple games and it that's what to me like when it's all said and done and everything like that not that it's coming i don't hope it's coming anytime soon but when I think about the whole picture of Chris being a buck. It's like, that's where if you want to talk about living in this altered scenario where Chris Middleton was this number one guy and he got to carry the bucks. That was the, the defining statement of Chris Middleton is that they were without Giannis and it was not complete or it wasn't beautiful by any means, but Chris Middleton was doing things that they needed him to do to get to that checkpoint of going back to the finals after 47 years. And yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I kind of just view him at. The interesting wrinkle on that is we have seen the flip side of it, which is when Giannis and the Bucks have tried to win playoff series with either Chris out injured or Chris not quite right. And when they've failed. And yeah. so much, so much is talked about shot making and shot making in a playoff sense. Look, it goes for us. It goes for everyone listening. We all love Giannis, and we know just how good he is. We know better than any other fan base in the world. Giannis cannot and will not ever win an NBA championship without an elite shot maker alongside him. And Chris Middleton was an elite shot maker when the Bucks won a championship because it isn't just when Giannis wasn't out there against the Hawks and closing that out. Chris and Brooks stepped up in big ways, but Chris had his moments against the Nets. He certainly has moments against the Suns. Like he delivered big shots when big shots were needed. Honestly, routinely in a way that even then it feels like, did we, did we not let that sink in in the same way at some of that time? And he's also a player like he spanned. We talk about the long wait for winning a playoff series. He came into a team that, what they'd gone a decade where they'd missed the playoffs 70% of the time before they got back to the playoffs for Chris's first taste, for Giannis's first taste of playoff action. And when that was its own success story and surprise under Kid, even something as simple as that, Chris was the guy making the killer shots in big games and the stretch of the regular season to get in and give them those kind of opportunities. He's kind of always been that guy for the books. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out there, Jordan, to kind of get us on the road to wrapping up here. He still might be that guy. Just over a couple of weeks ago, the books lost 
uh, the first of what would be three meetings against the Cleveland Cavaliers in a very short period of time. This was the Adrian Griffin coached. That's the easiest way for us to, you know, <laughs> not the not the Joe Prunty Cavs games. This no. was an Adrian Griffin game against the Cavs. Chris Middleton had two points. Since that game, the books have played six games. We know of the ups and downs and the complications, <laughs> all the drama that has surrounded that. I would not describe it as, you know, optimal playing conditions <laughs> for a Milwaukee book at the time since. Um, over that <laughs> six-game spell, Chris has played in five of those games. His average, 19.8 points, 5.2 assists, five rebounds, just 1.8 turnovers. 1.2 steals for good measure on shooting splits of 54.4, 38.593.8. That is elite. That is like the best version of Chris Middleton we've seen. I know I'm talking about a five game stretch, but we are dealing with a player who is still very much in a season where it's about trending upwards. He has been trending upwards and in a time of chaos for the books, he still found a way to do that. I believe that guy's still in there. We'll see what else comes together and how the books can make that relevant to their season. I'd love to think he'll get to some of those big spots and we'll have a chance to really kind of see him let that part of his game shine and put any kind of legacy conversations beyond doubt. But yeah, I guess if there's any closing thoughts for an episode like this, it's as simple as don't take them for granted and in a real way, like we say that quite often about Giannis Giannis is not actually in danger of being taken for granted he is in a relative sense of where you can just be like oh well he's going to do great things every night at a much greater risk is Chris where when you start to think that Chris Middleton isn't a great player that Chris Middleton hasn't been as important as he actually has been to these teams I think that's easier to take for granted and honestly I also think it's much much sadder not yes. to just be like, oh, well, that guy's going to go out there and, you know, do whatever it takes for us to win, as people do with Giannis. It's a different kind of, I don't know, flippant view of this. That, again, when the day comes, when we're watching much, much, much lesser players bear the city's name across their chest, I wouldn't want to be someone who's like, God, I didn't didn't appreciate Chris Milton when he was here. What I would do to have a Chris Milton back on this team. So I'm trying to take that forward with me. I've always loved Chris. Um, but even more so in what has been a challenging period for him with injuries and everything else. And when we just him come back, it's I want to try and remember everything he has done. I think what he's still going to do with the books and what it means, what he means to the franchise in the big picture because I it's not second to none but it's going to be very close to second to one by the time he's done that went very Mr. Seuss there but Dr. Seuss even look what can we do Mr. Seuss it was before he graduated Jordan (laughs) exactly that was when he was he was applying his rhymes his rhymes weren't quite as highly evolved at that point yeah no yeah, he was he was had a crack. That then he cracked it, and it was an honorary doctorate. You know, it was bestowed on him when really, you know. Any final thoughts, Chris? Another doctor that we're talking about, 
Doctor Griffin. Doc I Rivers. don't want to talk about other. Do- <laughs> a doctor's gone. The other doctor. There's a doctor in Philadelphia. We don't need to dwell on him. Giannis didn't want one doctor. Turns out maybe he didn't want any doctors. Um, no, I think that I think you, I couldn't have said it any better about Chris. I think there's still something, there's clearly still something that he has to prove. And as much as things are shaky with the Bucks overall right now, a very well, now, very well, maybe one of those things where if they just get to the playoffs and come playoff time, maybe some noise will be made from number 22. Let's hope so. All right, to hear us dive a little deeper. What Doc Rivers and the books have got going on, and what the trade deadline might have in store, all that good stuff, whether it's for myself and Jordan, from Tywin Dish and Rowan Caddy, from all of us, subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network feed, the main feed here at GSPN. It is home to us, winning six, and also Ty and Rohan on the Eurostep. Another big week for the books, potentially on the horizon. We'll have you covered. For all things, hey, Green Bay Packers. That's what I should be plugging. You're going to do, you're going to have a pod on a new defensive coordinator, right? For people to sink their teeth into. New defensive coordinator, Jeff Halfley. Is it going to be better? That's all I want to know right now. I, just... I hope. Oh, God, that's, I hope. doesn't sound. Your, your voice even like went up a pitch, cracked a little there. Hey, it's uh, it's it's a matter of what they do in the in free agency in the draft. I I think the guy himself is also gonna matter somewhat. Joe Barry oh, in he... a prominent moments, but listen, we'll, we'll just have to tune in to talk to the Tundra for you and Mike to break that down. Mm-hmm. For all things Milwaukee Brewers, cruising for bruising, myself and Andrew Snyder. Brewer season is getting ever nearer. Um we won't have a pod this week the way things have just run schedule-wise for us, but we'll probably have one earlier next week. I don't know. Maybe it's like a full scoreboard pod. Um, Maybe it's like about, I don't know, like the third street spots that are going to pop up in AmFam. I'm excited about that. Food options. I was underwhelmed when I was at AmFam. I don't... That's going to improve. Um, I don't know. I'm forgetting anything. Oh, yeah, my other podcast. Make time for this with myself and Andrew Snyder, where we talk movies, pop culture, other things. Next up, again, that one is probably just going to be early-ish, the middle of next week now, um, is on Ferrari and the films of Michael Mann. Ooh. Yeah, Jordan, get your... I don't, I don't know how... I, I, think it's, I think it's streaming out. Get, it is yeah. rentable, buy or rent. Well, we don't have to, we don't have to promote it like that. Uh, but for you, you know, get Ferrari in front of your eyeballs, I, and then get I just make time hope for this. That in Adam your ears. Driver's, um, the second movie that Adam Driver has featured has been starring as a featured Italian man. I hope it goes better than the first time. It's, I mean, it's a largely very similar accent. It's toned down a bit, but he's dealing with much better material, so he gets I, to have some I gravitas. Hope so. <laughs> I saw House of Gucci. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. It's it's truly, you know, you are the guy who's only seen Boss Baby, except it's House of Gucci. I love it. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan.
Thank you. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.